We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Father, as we come before you on this Divine Mercy Sunday, I ask, through the intercession of St. Faustina, that you open the floodgates of your mercy upon your people who are so faithful and devoted to you. And I ask especially those who are preparing for confession that they may trust in your great mercy that there is no unforgivable sin, no matter how scarlet it may be, that you desire to show them your mercy. Give them the grace and the courage to confess, especially the sins that are most hard or shameful to confess, so that they may know your freedom. And we hear in the Gospel of John, while he was still a long way off, the father caught sight of his son and was filled with compassion. He ran to him, embraced him, and kissed him. And Father, I just ask that all of your children here today come to know of your prodigal love, that you desire too to run to them, to embrace them, hold them in your arms, and kiss them, and to show them your unconditional love on this Divine Mercy Sunday. We ask this through Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I titled this talk, Divine Mercy, Peace in a Time of War. So I'm going to talk about what it means to truly be at peace, and how we can do that in the midst of war. And I talk about not only war physically that we're experiencing with Russia and Ukraine, but also the war that goes on within each one of our hearts, the battle that we all fight with Satan, and how Jesus in his divine mercy wants us to overcome that. I'd like to introduce divine mercy just by reading some of Faustina's uh, introductions herself. So just for some of you that may not be familiar with divine mercy, this might help you to become familiar with it. I myself was not really familiar with, the pre- with uh, divine mercy until probably my third year in the priesthood. It was, divine, it was the year for mercy when, pope, uh, when the Pope declared it to be the year for mercy. And I thought, well, I've been given four copies of Divine Mercy Chaplet from the time I was a seminarian. People would give me the chaplet. Now, if you have it or if you've seen it, it's huge, right? It's like seven, eight hundred pages. So when I was in the seminary working on my studies and my thesis and my master's, I thought, I cannot read one more book, let alone 800 pages. But still, people would give me the book. Oh, Father, read this. You need to read this. And over and over again, I didn't take the hint. And it wasn't until the year for mercy that I finally read uh, Sister Faustina's Diary of Divine Mercy, and it changed my perception of God forever. And I came to know God really as a loving and merciful God. Anytime that I doubt, anytime that I'm worried about my own, own sinfulness, or um, anytime I'm, I'm in fear, I can always go back to Divine Mercy and always trust and remember that that's Jesus' promise to us. That the, the number one quality of God that he wants us to know is his mercy. And that we can trust in his mercy. So, so uh, Sister Faustina begins by saying, let the doubting soul read the considerations that I'm writing on divine mercy. Let that doubting soul become trusting. So that's what I hope for today. If any of you have any doubt whatsoever in the goodness, in the truth of God's mercy, that that will be completely shed. She says that the divine mercy gushing forth from the bosom of the Father, I trust in you. Divine mercy, <clears throat> greatest attribute to God, the greatest attribute of God. Divine mercy, I trust in you. 
She says, the graces of my mercy are drawn by means of the one vessel only, and that is trust. So Jesus is telling her, the one means only that you can experience this mercy is by trust. So we have to trust, above all, that the most important attribute of God is mercy. And the more a soul trusts, the more a soul will receive his mercy. So let us today trust greatly in the mercy of God so that we can receive that mercy. So it is a privilege. I really am grateful as a priest any time that I get to preach on Divine Mercy Sunday because I am given the promises through Jesus to St. Faustina that she will bless the priest who speaks about divine mercy and that you will hear not only the voice of the priest but the voice of God. So I stand here with great awe and great um, humility that I get to be an instrument today. Sister Faustina was a mystic. And what that means is she experienced God in a very real and profound way. She experienced Jesus. And the first time that she experienced him was during, uh, she felt called to the religious life since she was a child. And her parents did not want her to become a nun. They said, we want you to get married. We want you to have children. We do not want you to go into the religious life. And she felt that call and it wouldn't go away. But she was obeying her parents and listening to her parents. And one time she was at this uh, social and she was dancing and all of a sudden she turned around and everything went black. Every single person disappeared and she saw Jesus before her. And she saw him as the crucified Lord. So he had the crown of thorns and his wounds were bleeding. And he said to her, how long must I wait? And he was saying to her, it's time. I want you to enter into the convent. I've been agonizing over this invitation. How long must I wait? And Jesus is saying the same thing to each and every one of you right now. How long must I wait for you to trust in me? How long must I wait for you to know my great mercy and love? So you see the divine image on the altar there. Jesus appeared to her one time, many times, but one of the times that he appeared to her, this was the image that she saw. And he had his, raise, his hand raised like this. And that's the position of a, a priest's hand. Whenever a priest blesses his people, or as you go to confession today, when he absolves the penitent before him. So Jesus is raising his hand in absolution like this and in blessing. And then his left hand is, is held right at his heart where his heart was pierced. And from that came blood and water which flowed from his side. Jesus asked St. Faustina to, have this, to paint this image so that other people could see the mystical experience that she was seeing. Well, she said to him, I'm not an artist. How, how am I supposed to paint this? Now, the great thing about Faustina, and you'll hear about this later, she had very real conversations with the Lord. She talked to him. And the Lord actually said, the more childlike you talk to me, the, the more we are able to communicate. So she said to him, I can't paint this painting. I'm not an artist. And so her, her, her priest, her spiritual director, asked them to commission an artist, and the artist came. And she was to describe this painting to the artist. 
And so she described the painting and the artist painted it for her. And she came back and when she looked at it, she broke down in tears because it looked nothing like it was supposed to, nothing like Jesus. So she asked the artist over and over again to, to make this change, to make that change. And the artist began to get extremely frustrated with her. And as it went on, she finally said to Jesus, it's not looking like you. And Jesus, Jesus finally said to her, it's close enough. It looks enough like me. I want people just to know of the image, to show veneration to the image, and to know of my divine mercy. So that right there is the closest we can get on this earth of painting of Jesus. I'm sure you've seen the, the latest uh, news about the shroud, too, that they took the shroud and they uh, superimposed it with the image of the divine mercy and, and his features lined up very profoundly with that image. So what brings us here today? Back in, in the 1930s, when the Lord called for a special feast day of the divine mercy, it was to be celebrated on the first Sunday after Easter. Now, St. Faustina was told this directly by the Lord, that he wanted this to be celebrated on the first Sunday after Easter. So she went to her bishop and told the bishop about this, and he said, well, we already do that. We have it. He kind of blew her off. And so she went back to Jesus and she said, um, the bishop's not listening to me. Uh, he's telling me that we already have it. And Jesus says to her something very clever. He says, well, who knows about it? Who knows about divine mercy? And so he wanted her to become the ambassador of the divine mercy message. And if you think about it today, you're so blessed to be here, by the way, because you know about divine mercy. So many people do not know about the wonderful graces that are here for us today. So when St. John Paul canonized her on the Feast of Divine Mercy, he uh, proclaimed that every Sunday, the first Sunday after Easter, would be formally called Divine Mercy Sunday. And so even in the sacramentary now, we have this as Divine Mercy Sunday. There's so many prophecies that uh, Jesus gave to Faustina that would be fulfilled sometimes after her lifetime. So the Lord expressed his will in regard to this feast in her diary. And he said to her, my daughter, tell the whole world, the whole world about my inconceivable mercy. I desire that the feast of mercy be a refuge and a shelter for souls. So think about that today as a refuge for you. It's a shelter from all the power of sin that, that the, the enemy has had over you. On that day, the very depths of my tender mercy are open. So today we get to experience the very depths of his tender mercy. And I pour out a whole ocean of graces on those souls who approach the fount of my mercy. So he is just pouring out his grace upon you today. He says that the soul that will go to confession and receive communion shall obtain complete forgiveness of sins and punishment. So when we go to confession, normally we receive the forgiveness of sins, but we still have the effect of it and the punishment after it. But on this day, we receive this indulgence where we are forgiven of our sins and all punishment, all harm, and all effects of it are, are removed. So on this day, the floodgates will open and the graces will flow. Let no soul fear drawing near to me. So if you're afraid to go to confession, if there's some sin that you're afraid of confessing, don't be afraid to go. I promise you we do have very merciful priests here today that are hearing confessions. So please take advantage of that and don't be afraid. So he says, even if their, skin, their sins be as scarlet, my mercy is so great that no mind, be it man or angel, will be able to fathom it 
through all eternity. So no matter how bad your sin is, you will experience his mercy. Everything that exists has come from the very depths of my most tender mercy. Every soul in its relation to me will contemplate my love and mercy throughout eternity. So we're experiencing today what we're going to experience throughout all of eternity, God's love and mercy. And this feast emerged from the very depths of his tenderness. Finally, he says, mankind will not have peace until it turns to the fount of mercy. So until we turn to the fount of God's mercy, mankind will not, will not have peace. So here briefly is the message of divine mercy. This is five points just to begin with. First is tell my priests. So just like somebody gave me four divine mercy, cha- uh, divine mercy uh, books, whoever your priest is, tell them about divine mercy. Please encourage them, let them know about it so that the priests may be uh, what we're truly called to be. So she was called to speak to, pri- to priests and teach them about God's mercy. The second is that this on the second Sunday after Easter is to be the Feast of Divine Mercy and the priests are to tell everyone about his great and unfathomable mercy. So I've been trying to do that as much as possible and this is a wonderful turnout. So thank you for being here today. The image is to be on view in the church, which the image is here. And by means of that image, I shall be granting many graces to souls. So let every soul have access to it. At some point, if you can't see the image, just come and spend some time with it. You could also pull it up on your phone, and I think you have uh, the images as well. The third point is I desire priests to proclaim my mercy towards souls of sinners. So my job and us priest's job is to tell God of all sinners that he's merciful that we do not have to be afraid to approach him. And he says the distrust of chosen souls causes me even greater pain despite my inexhaustible love for them that they do not trust me. So the pain that it causes souls that do not trust God and do not trust to approach him in the font of mercy and confession. Tell my priests that hardened sinners will repent on hearing their words when they speak about my unfathomable mercy. So this is the part where I trust that he is going to soften even the hardest hearts upon hearing this speaking about his mercy. I will give wondrous power. I will anoint the priest's words, touch their hearts, and the hearts of those whom they will speak. So he's also going to touch your heart right now during this time and open you up to his mercy by his grace. And then the fifth point is, say unceasingly the chaplet that I've taught you. So if you don't know the chaplet of divine mercy, look it up on your phone right now. Um, I think you do have pamphlets as well. We're gonna pray it together, which is part of the indulgence after this talk. But get to know that. But the, the other part of this promise is, whoever will recite it will receive great mercy at the hour of death. Priests will recommend it to sinners as their last hope of salvation. So as somebody is dying, I just, I ask them, I beg them, please pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet. I ask them to do that with their families. Even if a sinner were most hardened, if he were to recite this chaplet once, he would receive the grace of my infinite mercy. So if you can help somebody recite this chaplet just once in their life, 
they will receive the infinite grace of divine mercy. So I want to talk about a time of war and what St. Faustina has to say about this. The only way to peace is through his divine mercy. 59 days now the war has been going on with Russia and Ukraine. When Sister Faustina went to make her perpetual vows, so when she was making her final vows as a sister, she made three promises to Jesus. And this was the first one. I beg you for the triumph of the church, particularly in Russia and Spain, for the blessings of the Holy Father, Pius XI, and for all clergy, and for the grace and conversion of all impenitent sinners, for priests before whom I make this confession through entire lifetime. She prayed for every priest that would ever hear her confession for a congregation, for her parents. And then she said, I beg you for my homeland, protect it against the assaults of the enemy. So she lived in Poland during this time of war. And finally, her third request was, Jesus, I plead with you for the souls that are most in need of prayer, and I plead for the dying, be merciful to them. I also beg you, Jesus, to free souls from purgatory. So we'll be doing that today, asking the Lord to free souls from purgatory. This was December 16th of 1936. She said, I have offered this day for Russia. I have offered all my sufferings and prayers for this poor country. After Holy Communion, Jesus said to me, I cannot suffer that country any longer. Listen to this. Do not tie my hands, my daughter. I understood that if, I had not, if it had not been for the prayers of souls that are pleasing to God, that the whole nation would have already been reduced to nothingness. Oh, how I suffer for that nation which has banished God from its borders. So we're still experiencing this today. Sometimes the prophecy, the fulfillment of God's plan takes some time. And I'm going to talk about the consecration that we recently made to Russia. While she was praying the chaplet, she heard a voice which said, Oh, what great graces I will grant to souls who say this chaplet. The very depths of my tender mercy are stirred for the sake of those who say this chaplet. Write down these words, my daughter. Speak to the world about my mercy. Let all mankind recognize my unfathomable grace and mercy. She, he says to her then, It is a sign for the end of times. After it will come the day of justice. While it is still time, let them have recourse to the fount of mercy. Let them profit from the blood and water which gushed forth from them. O oh, human souls, where are you going to hide on the day of God's anger? Take refuge now in the fount of mercy. Oh, what great multitude of souls I see. They worship the divine mercy and will be sing singing the hymn of praise for all eternity. So he's talking about the end of times in response to Russia. And I know we've all probably thought about the, the possibility of nuclear war, nuclear disaster. But this is a really grave scenario that our world is in. And so all the much more we need to really turn to our Lord's mercy. 
And he, he says to her at another time, he says, you have a choice. You can enter into my mercy or you can enter into my judgment. Because God is mercy and justice. He wants us to enter into his mercy. And I think because our, especially people that are unbelievers, have such a distorted view of God that they don't know that doing his will and being freed from sin is actually loving, that God wants to love us in that. She then goes on in September to talk about this angel, the executor of God's wrath, about to strike the earth. So the, the second coming was about to happen. And she began to beg God earnestly for the world with the words which I heard interiorly. As I prayed in this way, I saw the angels helpless, and he could not carry out the just punishment. Her prayers brought off the, 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 the end times. Our prayers, your prayers, are just as powerful. So the, Mar the Marians of Immaculate Conception who promulgate a lot of this talked about the consecrations that have been made to Russia over the years. So I don't know if you do know, but there have been a number of consecrations that have made, and Mary's uh, asking was that Russia should be consecrated to the Sacred Heart of Mary. And there's been different popes that have done it along the way. So beginning with Pius XII, he made a consecration to Russia. St. John Paul II also did, and Pope Francis did on, the, on 2013, and he also did it again in this year of 2022. But Sister Lucia of Fatima, back in 19, 1984, when John Paul consecrated uh, Russia and the entire world to the Sacred Heart of Mary, she said that that did fulfill what was necessary. The act of consecration that was made this year just want to read a few lines from it because it was a rather lengthy, lengthy conse consecration. Hopefully your priest did it at your parish. But it was really asking Mary to be our mother in this time of trial, to turn to Mary, acknowledging that we have strayed and we have forgotten the lessons that we have learned, disregarded our own commitments and our own fidelity to God. And then asking Mary that in the midst of our sinfulness, amid our struggles and weaknesses and the mystery of iniquity that is, e that is evil and war, that sh you remind us that God never abandons us but continues to look on us with love. So remember that anytime you're afraid as we continue to talk about war and the spiritual battle, that God never abandons us. So having talked about the physical battle, I now want to talk about the spiritual battle, the battle that goes on in each one of our souls and the, the need for us to experience God's mercy in the midst of this battle. So she was talking about a day when she was in church waiting for confession. You're going to notice a lot of things that are um, uh, repetitions here. Whenever she was approaching the sacraments, going to confession, receiving the Eucharist, when she would pray her nightly examine. She would have very profound experiences of God, and she would also have very intense uh, attacks by Satan. And when this happened, the Lord said to her, beneath these rays a heart will grow warm, even if it were like a block of ice, 
Even if it were hard as a rock, it will crumble into dust. So she was asking Jesus to set her on fire. And so I want you to think about your own heart right now. How is your heart? Is it hard? Is it like a block of ice? Is there resent there towards your spouse or towards your work or towards God? No matter how hard that is, he can break it right now. He can melt it right now. Jesus said, my mercy is greater than your sins and the sins of the entire world. So his mercy is greater than any sin that has ever been committed or could be committed. When St. Faustina was fighting with temptations and fighting with, um, with the enemy, with Satan, Jesus said to her, you gave me great glory today by being so faithful and fighting so faithfully. So I want you to know that when you fight temptation, when you fight Satan, you give God great glory in the midst of that battle. So don't be discouraged in the midst of fighting. Don't be discouraged if the temptations seem to be strong or go on for too long. That God is so pleased with your being willing to fight that battle against sin. And then he says, let it be confirmed and engraved on your heart that I am always with you. So imagine him confirming and engraving on your heart, I am always with you. But then he says, even if you don't feel my presence at the time of battle. So in the times that we don't feel his presence engraved in our heart, I am always with you. Then she says, oh, my, may God keep every soul from delaying confession until the last hour. So there has always been kind of a Catholic uh, thought that we can just wait till the end of our lives and then go to confession and hopefully uh, that'll be enough to get us into heaven. She's saying, why wait till that? Why wait till the end of your life to experience God's mercy? Experience his mercy now. I understood the great power of the priest's words when they are poured out upon the sick person's soul. So that's what happens when we go to confession. We are sick and we're in need of healing. And in confession, the priest pours out that gift of healing upon your soul. So I know that there's a tension of going to confession and wanting to be resolved from sin, but there's also something medicinal about confession that we need to be healed from our sin. So don't be afraid to go to confession even in the midst of your struggle. Great is the divine grace that accompanies these words of the priest. The soul will feel power and courage for battle. So when you come out, we just had a lot of confessions uh, yesterday and a lot during Easter, but as divine mercy has approached, we've been hearing a lot of confessions and I, I just love this time as a priest because sometimes they're very people have been away for a long time and they unburden themselves and every single one of them walks out glowing, smiling, beaming, happy, joyful because they have been unburdened by this. <clears throat> and, and, and we should take that as strength for going back to the battle. So don't be discouraged if you confess a sin and then you find yourself tempted again later, but realize you, you draw strength. Go back to that confession. Say, I have been forgiven and I can overcome this sin through the grace of God. 
So that's talking about war. Now I would like to talk about peace, the need for peace, and how we can experience and receive God's peace. So during that um, whole year, the Holy Father, St. John Paul II, in that same homily, said, Jesus told Sister Faustina, humanity will not find peace until it turns trustfully to divine mercy. So that phrase is so important. We have to trust in his mercy. We got to go all in that God is going to be merciful with us. And that's a difficult thing for us. I think we still have some Pelagian uh, attitude that like God's not going to love us until we get ourselves in order. There's a distrust about can I really trust that his mercy will be enough? And what John Paul II is saying that we will not find peace until we trustfully surrender to divine mercy. If you haven't done this before, I want you to make an act of trust. So trust is a virtue. Um, It's something that we uh, work with by God's grace that we can trust in his mercy. And that really does mean going all in and believing that his mercy is what's going to save us. She talks to, Jesus talks to her and she says, my child, know that the greatest obstacles to holiness are discouragement and exaggerated anxiety. So the greatest obstacle to, to, to holiness is not sin. Jesus says the greatest obstacle to holiness is discouragement. So when we give in to discouragement and exaggerated anxiety, so when we get hyper-anxious and all worked up about something, that is an obstacle to trusting in his mercy. All the temptations united together ought not disturb your interior peace, not even momentarily. So no matter how tempted we are, it doesn't have to disturb our interior peace that will only come if we trust in his divine mercy. Sensitiveness and discouragement are the fruit of self-love. So if you're oversensitive and um, give easily to discouragement, he's saying that's the fruit of self-love, that you're, you're, you're putting your trust in yourself and not in me. You should not be discouraged, but have confidence, my child. Do not lose heart in coming for pardon. So if you have to come back to confession over and over and over and over again. If you fight that same sin your whole life, but turn towards his mercy, do not be discouraged. Trust in his mercy. I am always ready to forgive you. As often as you beg for it, you glorify my mercy. So anytime we beg for his mercy and forgiveness, we glorify this divine mercy. Be at peace. And then he says, be absolutely as frank as possible with your confessor. So I think this is an important thing when we go to confession, to be as frank as we can. Sometimes, um, myself included, but a lot of times when penitents come, they'll kind of like give a little nuance to the sin. You know, they'll blame their, their spouse for their sin. Half the confession is about their spouse. And uh, really, it needs to be about what their sin is. And so he says that we ought to be very frank about it. 
So when you go to confession, just name that sin. Whatever that shame is, just name it. Bring it to the light. Because if it's in darkness or we try to soften or make excuses for it, um, it still remains hidden and, and the grips of that sin remain with us. But if we are frank about it and we say, this is my sin, we will experience his grace and mercy. And so be as frank as you can, all of you who are going to confession. He says, at these moments, Jesus filled me with such a great peace that later on, even when I tried to become uneasy, I could not do so. So she was in such peace that she couldn't even try to get out of it. I don't know if you've ever tried to get out of peace. That's never happened to me. Like, if I have it, I want it. But she couldn't even get out of it if she tried. And that's truly God just overwhelming because she, she knew and she trusted in his mercy and she dwelt in it that that could not be overcome. Jesus said, I will give you such a profound peace that even if you wanted to feel troubled and frightened, it would not be in your power to do so. But love will flood your soul to the point of self-oblivion. So we can come to this peace here on this earth. And the way to that peace is trust. Trust in his mercy. If we trust in his mercy, we will be at peace. She had a vision from Jesus on, the, at the, uh, on Easter Sunday, the resurrection day. And today during the mass of the resurrection, she saw the Lord, Jesus, in the midst of a great light. He approached her and said, Peace be to you, my children. And he lifted up his hands and gave his blessing. The wounds in his hands, feet, and side were indelible and shining. So think about that. Jesus' wounds, the first she saw them, would be bleeding. Now she saw that they were, they were shining and brilliant. He said to her, my daughter, be at peace. I am taking all these matters to myself. So he was, the conversation went on a little bit longer, but she had all these different things that she was wrestling with and struggling with. And he said, be at peace. I'm taking this all to myself. Be at peace. Whatever you're holding on to, whatever you're wrestling with, whatever you're struggling with, I'm taking this all to myself. Jesus says that to you right now. So she also said, I must maintain peace and equanimity during times of suffering. So we will suffer in life, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Suffering does not have to abdicate our peace. We can still be at peace in suffering. How do we do that? She says, in difficult moments, I take refuge in the womb and the wounds of Jesus. I must seek consolation, comfort, light, and affirmation in his wound. So the next time you suffer or experience suffering, imagine physically placing yourself and Jesus placing himself, yourself into his wound and holding you there because he wants to suffer with you. Now, I want to talk about some of the division that can cause um, a disturbance of peace with us. And I want to focus <clears throat> a little bit about <clears throat> just our culture today, the tendency to have the polarization that we have um, pretty much with everything, uh, politically, medically, um, pandemically, 
everything is, is you either got to have an opinion on this side or this side. And there's absolute division and polarization more and more and more in everything that we uh, experience. And I also want to talk about the, um, you know, the phrase cancel culture, that we have a, a cancel culture that if somebody does something wrong, especially we know it most from celebrity cultures, they're canceled. That's it for them. They're never going to be on TV again. They're never going to be movie, movies again, whatever it may be. But we also have cancel culture in our, in our schools, in our churches, in our presbyterates. You know, there, there seems to be this sense that if anybody sins or does something wrong, they're cut off. If anybody does something that we see as an unforgivable sin, we cut them off. Where does that fit in divine mercy? Doesn't fit. Because Jesus will say, unless you are merciful, you will not receive mercy. So I want to talk about how we need to just be, be aware of this strong, like, dynamic and ebb and flow, it's almost like a current that's going on, of this idea of cancel culture, polarization, dividing, wanting to cancel people out, wanting to label people as here or there, taking sides when he wants us to be merciful. So she prays and she says, Oh my Jesus, nothing can lower my ideals, that is, the love which I have for you. Although the path is very thorny, I do not fear to go ahead. So her path, she's saying, is pretty thorny. And as I go on, you're going to realize that she's talking particularly about people in her life. She's talking about uh, nuns and superiors in the convent that she's dealing with. There's a thorny path that she's walking on. Even if hailstorm of persecution covers me. So during this time, Sister Faustina was being persecuted. Her own sisters looked at her with disdain. How dare you think that you're a saint? How dare you think that you're a mystic? What makes you think Jesus is talking to you? Her message, divine mercy, would be rejected by, by the bishop, or be rejected at one time by the Vatican, and be suppressed for a number of years. So even though these hailstorms of persecution cover me, even if my friends forsake me, I just want you to think about that. Do you have the pain of being forsaken by anybody? Friend or family member, a loved one? If all things conspire against me and the horizon grows dark, even if raging storm breaks out and I feel that I'm quite alone, it's the saddest thing, right? She's in a convent with other sisters. She lives in community and she feels alone. Mother Teresa once said that the greatest disease in the West is loneliness. There's a spiritual poverty. Pope Francis talked recently about the loneliness of the elderly, nursing homes. But the truth is we all feel loneliness from time to time, don't we? I mean, even if I'm a priest or if you're married or have families or, or if you're single, in the midst of religious community, she felt lonely. And even with this closeness to God, she felt lonely. And she says, but I must brave it all. Still, fully at peace. Why is she fully at peace? Next phrase, I will trust in your mercy. 
O God, my hope, and I will not be disappointed. She goes on to talk about the severe sufferings that she experienced in the places of the wounds of Jesus. She experienced these sufferings not only from her sisters, not only from the religious superiors, she also experienced physical suffering. And Jesus said to her, do not be sad about this. I too was a stumbling block for some souls. You know, so if you ever feel rejected because of your faith, by your children, by your spouse, by your parents, by your friends, he too felt that. He too was a stumbling block. Here's another one. Mother Superior one day poured out so much anger on her and humiliated me so much that I thought I would not be able to endure it. So her mother superior, who's supposed to be a loving mother to her, pours out so much anger upon her that she, she thought she wouldn't be able to take it. She said to me, listen, this is what she said to St. Faustina, her, her daughter, you queer, hysterical visionary, get out of this room, go on with you, sister. She continued to pour out upon my head everything she could think of. When I got to my cell, I fell on my face before the cross, and then I looked at Jesus, but I could no longer say a single word. Yet I concealed everything from the others and pretended that nothing had happened between us. Satan always takes advantage of such moments. Even if you think back about your own life, any time that you have been verbally abused or physically abused or emotionally abused, those become wounds in us that Satan just has a field day with. So she, Jesus says to her, Satan always takes advantage of such, such moments. Thoughts of discouragement begin to rise to the surface. For your faithfulness and sincerity, this is your reward. How can one be sincere when one is so misunderstood? So she's talking to Jesus about being so misunderstood. So many of our saints were misunderstood by the church, by the hierarchy, by, the, by their peers. And she finally said, Jesus, I can't go on any longer. So she fell down on the ground under this weight and broke out in a sweat and fear began to overcome her. And I had no one to lean on interiorly. Suddenly I heard a voice within my soul, do not fear, I am with you. I want you to notice the sacramental that, that she did. She fell down before the cross. And it was because of that that she heard the voice, do not fear, I am with you. And then this unusual light illumined my mind and I understood that I should not give in to such sorrows. I was filled with strength and I left myself with a new courage to suffer. Jesus says to her, we resemble God when we forgive our neighbors. So as we're here on Divine Mercy Sunday, I just want you to go to the depths of your heart and, and, and think about, is there anyone that you have not forgiven? Because you can be given the grace to forgive them on this Divine Mercy Sunday. And not only when, when you forgive that person, 
your, your heart is going to open up and you will receive that ocean of grace. And forgiveness is a choice. It's an act of the will. I choose. I forgive this person. And you have to do it totally, without conditions. You have to forgive that person completely from your heart. She goes on in her journal to talk about how she experienced this rejection from lay people, um, from, from some of the workers that worked on the convent. And throughout it all, she learned to be at peace, even in the midst of it. One day, there was uh, five construction workers that were coming, and they were just looking for work. They wanted, they wanted money. So they were kind of hitting the sisters up. And uh, they went to Mother Superior, and Mother Superior kind of passed them off to uh, Faustina, so Faustina has to go talk to these guys and tell them there's no work for you. And these guys are mad. Think about it. They're construction workers. They're probably swearing at her. And as she's going, she's afraid and she doesn't know how to confront them. And Jesus says to her, go and talk to them as sweetly as you talk to me. Do you ever experience that when you're like on, on the phone after you waited for two hours with like a company and you just want to scream at them but you know it's not their fault But if you're nice to them, a lot of times it turns them around and they're nice. So she says that this happened. She talked to them as sweetly as she talked to God. And then all of a sudden, these men who seemed so menacing began to be sweet and calm back to her. And they began to speak to her gently. And they went away peacefully. So we have to get past this division and divisiveness. Yes, we hold on to our values. We hold on to the things that are strongest to us. But we have to get past this point of being so angry with each other and so, um, so wanting to just like shut out that relationship because it's too frustrating. We have to get past this and we have to forgive. Then finally, the last point before I talk about the... Uh, the end of this, the, the novena, is the battle against Satan for peace in our souls. So Satan, you're in a battle, and he is trying to take away your peace. And he's going to try every avenue that, that, that he can do it. So she says, first of all, Jesus says, first of all, do not fight against temptation by yourself. So if you're trying to overcome the temptation by yourself, you are going to fail. Do not try to do it by yourself. That means, first of all, with the help of God. But then he says to her, disclose it to your confessor at once. So um, St. Teresa of Avila would say, whenever you have a temptation, speak it to a wise spiritual person. So it's great if you can do it in confession, but you can't go to confession probably every day. But if there's a temptation that you could speak to a wise spiritual person just by sharing what that temptation is, Satan loses his stronghold. Secondly, during these ordeals, do not lose your peace. So you have to like, stop and calm yourself and say, no, I'm not going to lose my peace. Even though I'm being tempted, even though it's going on, and even though it's difficult, I'm not going to lose my peace. Live in my presence. 
So try to close your eyes and return to that place of presence. Remember Jesus is with you and inscribed upon your heart. Ask for the help of my mother and the saints and have a certitude that I'm looking at you and supporting you. So try to see Jesus in the midst of your temptation looking at you with a supporting look of love. Almost like a kid with their parent coaching them, like he's got you, he's encouraging you. And then fifth, to know that by fighting bravely, you will give me great glory. Temptation gives you a chance to show me your fidelity. So we give God great glory by fighting temptation. So if you do have a sin that you're constantly tempted by, don't give in to it, but don't fight it alone. Do it with God and um, know that he's supporting you and encouraging you in that time and that by your fighting it, it brings him glory. This is just a beautiful phrase, a uh, beautiful paragraph. <clears throat> Saint uh, Faustina is writing and she's journaling and she says, the bark of my life sails along amid darkness and shadows of night and I see no shore. I am sailing the high seas. The slightest storm would drown me, engulfing my boat in the swirling depths if you yourself did not watch over me. So she's realizing how fragile she is and how fragile we are if we do not realize that he's watching over us. At each instant and moment of my life, amid the roaring waves, I sail peacefully, trustingly, and gaze like a child into the distance without fear. Because you, O oh Jesus, are my light. Dread and terror is all about me, but within my soul is peace more profound than the depths of sea. For he is, who is with you, O oh Lord, will not perish. Of this your love assures me, O oh God. Though a host of dangers surround me, none of them do I fear. For I fix my gaze on the starry sky and I sail along bravely and merrily and become pure of heart. I want you to try to do that next time that you're tempted and wrestling with something. Imagine you're on a boat like a kid and merrily drifting along the way, knowing that God has you. So she says, despite the peace in my soul, I fight a continuous battle with the enemy of my soul. So if you're fighting a continuous battle, don't be discouraged. You're right up there with a saint. Sister Faustina, although she remained her peace because she trusted in Jesus and divine mercy, she still had a continuous battle. If you do not succeed in taking advantage of an opportunity, do not lose your peace, but humble yourself profoundly before me and with great trust immerse yourself completely in my mercy. And this way you will gain more than you have lost. So if you have any regrets and you think about, mm, I should have done that, why didn't I do that? Let that be a moment to allow yourself to be immersed in the mercy of Jesus. And he says, when you do this, you will gain more than you have lost. So in one moment of, of just accepting his mercy, it washes away everything that we have lost. So now I want to talk about just ending this part and then going into some concrete things for you.
she uses a lot of imagery about God the Father, about Mary, about Jesus, um, about St. Joseph. And all of these images are very physical. So when she talks about God the Father, she talks about the Father holding a child to his bosom, to his breast. So the next time you find yourself panicking or anxious or worried, and you, you want to trust in mercy but don't know how, let him hold you in his breast. The same thing with Mary. She talks about Mary placing the mantle, her mantle around you. So imagine yourself and let Mary surround you with her mantle. The same thing about St. Joseph. St. Joseph holding you like a tender child, protecting you. And then, of course, Jesus, who is so intimate that he wants to take you into his wound, and he has, he's written his name on your heart. In case you don't know it, there's a wonderful, these are some of the practical things. It's never too late for someone to experience God's mercy. So even upon the hour of death, say you couldn't find a priest for last rites, if you pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet with that person as they're dying, they will be given a tremendous grace and, and Jesus promises that, they will, that he will step between God as judge and be the intercessor of mercy. So they will enter the gates of heaven through mercy. So make sure that you pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet with anyone that is dying. Sister Faustina asked to pray for priests especially. So we priests need your prayers. In the Diocese of Cleveland, we had our annual Chrism Day, and uh, we came to the conclusion that we have lost seven priests in the last year. And that's just uh, been a big number ever since the scandal. So I would just really encourage you to pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet for your priests so that we can be holy and we can be the, the priest that God desires us to be. So the last nine days, hopefully some of you have made the, the novena, but I'm going to cover just quickly one phrase from each one, um, what she's asking for. So if you haven't prayed the novena, I would just encourage you to think about praying for these nine things as often as you can and when you pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet. So first is for the souls of priests and religious. Try to keep the priests and religious in your prayer. The second is for all devout and faithful souls. The third is for pagans and those who do not know me yet. The fourth is for heretics and schismatics, so pray for them. The fifth is for meek and humble souls and the souls of little children. So pray for little children. I talked about somebody that with our grade school kids. I, when I teach them how to pray, I do meditation with them and they like it because it's the prayer they can just lay down on the ground and kind of like go to sleep if they want. <clears throat> but I think like their lives are so stressful, right? And they're so vulnerable. So pray for uh, children. Pray for souls who especially venerate and glory my mercy. So those of you who are here today. Bring the souls who are in the prison of purgatory and immerse them in the abyss of mercy. I can't stress this enough to pray for the souls in purgatory. They need our help. And finally is me, bring to me souls who are lukewarm. So remember Jesus said, I, I desire that you either be hot or cold rather than lukewarm. If you lukewarm, I spit you out of my mouth. Because he, if, we're, if we're lukewarm, it's like there's an indifference. And he says... 
that these are the ones that wound me most deeply, our lukewarm souls. Maybe that's yours. Maybe you need to pray for that fire to be set uh, within you. Okay. These are the plenary indulgence uh, descriptions and prayers that I'm, we're going to do the Divine Mercy Chaplet after this. But I want to just give you some concrete um, background on this. So a plenary indulgence is granted under the usual conditions of this. Sacrament of confession, Eucharist of communion, and prayers for the intention of the Supreme Pontiff. Sacrament of confession, by the way, can go back 20 days or forward.